This episode of the I'm So Sure podcast is brought to you by Superstar 3000, the fully electronic and computerized guitar with no strings, plays songs in 12 full octaves, comes complete with volume control, songbook, and instructions. Superstar, Superstar 3000. And now, back to Kevin and Scott and the I'm So Sure podcast. Thanks for downloading this episode of the I'm So Sure podcast. I'm Scott Benson. Hi. I'm Kevin Kelly. That's not a B-52s-ism. No, but let's see if anybody knows what it is. I know Jimmy will. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we're talking this week about the fantastically fun group B-52s. We are. So let's be enthusiastic, shall we? Let's make your voice, like, up and excited and... What do you expect? Do you want me to talk like this? Yeah! (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. The B-52s started in 1976 in Athens, GA. They're primarily known as a new wave band. They're probably one of the first new wave bands um, to come out of America. But one thing about their sound is it has a whole lot of... Like this kind of 60s twangy surf and beach guitars. Definitely. And they were also very visual. I mean, most new wave bands were very visual, but B-52s were very distinctive. And I just remember seeing their album covers way before I ever heard any of their music and um, thinking that Kate and Cindy looked a lot like my mom and my Aunt Susie because um, my Aunt Susie was a beautician. And so there was a lot of big hair going on with them, like, in the 60s. I've seen the photos. Yeah, early 70s. And um, they just were definitely something that would, you know, catch your eye. And I was always really curious about them because of their album covers. And uh, one of the very first albums I got when I joined the RCA Record Club was Mesopotamia, which was their... Um, it was like it was going to be their third album, but it wound up just being an EP um, because they had disagreements with David Byrne of the Talking Heads, who produced that album. So they just sort of quit recording with him and released what they had, and just released it not as a full length album. It was a shorter EP, but their first two albums um, 
which are kind of known as the Yellow Album and the Red Album. The Yellow one being the B-52s, and then the Red Album is Wild, Pla- Wild Planet. They were both really influential, big college radio albums that yielded songs like Planet Claire. one of my favorites rock lobster rock i mean lobster. that's like the biggest classic i mean that was their first single some research for them, I read that John Lennon cited Rock Lobster as inspiration for his comeback when he did his last album before he died. Right. And the girls often would mimic Yoko Ono. With the caterwauling. Yeah. And um, I won't do it, but I can do it. (laughs) If I'm not going to do it, you don't need to do it. And that was tragic. So we mentioned Cindy and Kate. But the other band members were um, Cindy's brother, Ricky, who played guitar, and Keith Strickland, who played various instruments and drums, and then, of course, Fred Schneider. And everyone loves Fred Schneider. Even if you don't necessarily know who the B-52s are, which I can't believe you wouldn't know that, you have heard Fred Schneider before. Because his voice is very distinctive. I, I don't know that I would call him a singer, much as much as he's a projectionist and a personality, yeah, and, and not a projectionist like a movie theater projectionist. It's like a voice projectionist, and um, he has a very distinctive sound. I mean, the girls have these wonderful harmonies that they they do on the songs, and then I mean, they're more of a classic pop singing sound, right. whereas he's completely his own original sound, and so it's just. When you hear a B-52 song, you know right off the bat that it's them. That's one of my favorite things about their music in general is I like groups that have male and female voices kind of counterpoint back and forth. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And even like their more serious songs are still a lot of fun. So, I mean, they were known as like the world's best party band for years so and love shack in no small part is the like poster child for the party sound of them even though that song as good as it is it's kind of overshadows a lot of their more interesting work i think that's like well, their big mainstream a song. lot of people like at this point in time kind of hate that song and it's not the b-52's fault that that song was such a hit and it was played so much but, you know, like, it's played, like, at weddings and football games. And it's just a song that, you know, I guess motivates people. And um, But, like, everyone's heard it so many times now that it's just sort of, like, 
kind of like an eye roller for a lot of people. But that's that's from a later album. Let's talk about go back their, to the beginning. Their earlier stuff. So uh, after Mesopotamia, um, which I don't believe they made any videos or anything. I mean, it's still video. The music video was still a very in its earliest forms at that time. Um, but I remember loving the song Cake off of Mesopotamia. Yeah. Still one of my all-time favorite B-52 songs. And I just thought it was some bizarre song about them talking about cake. But later in life, I found out what it's really about. It's a double entendre. It's a dirty sex song. But um, And Fred, I don't think Fred's on that. I'm sure Fred probably played a tambourine or something on it. But Or cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> But the next album was Whammy, which they actually made videos for. and Well, and that coincided with the big MTV explosion, so right. they, so they we had Legal perfect. Tender. Legal Tender and Song for a Future Generation. So tell everyone your story about the Song for a Future Generation. Well, so the, the there's like a tagline in Song for a Future Generation that says, let's meet and have a baby now. And for a long time, that was my favorite song. I was always just walking around singing it. So I used to babysit these kids, Robin and Chip and David, who I probably mentioned before. Um, Robin, Chip, and David were like the little brothers and sister that I always wanted and never got. And I was very close with them, and I was at their house like every week, and um, their parents were very social, so I was... Heavily employed. Yeah, I was, I was their babysitter. You were the au pair. Yeah, so, and I was like, 
uh, I was probably when I first started babysitting for them. I was probably way too young to be even like ten years old, probably right or eleven. I was probably about eleven, yeah. So, but um, and David wasn't even born yet at that time. But um, anyway, one day I was babysitting them, and I just started singing, "Let's meet and have a baby now," and like I sang it so much that the kids were just fed up, and they're like, "Just shut up, you." You make up the dumbest things. And I'm like, but that's a real song. And they were all like, Kevin, that would not be a real song. That is ridiculous. No one would ever sing that in a song. So the like next time I was there, um, it was it, the video came on MTV. And I'm like, okay, see, this is a real song. I did not make this up. This... This is a group, the B-52s. They are performing it. You're seeing it on MTV. They still blamed me for it. They said that I had had to have had something to do with it, that no one in their right mind would put Let's Meet and Have a Baby into a song except for me. And due to a young teenager's imagination, you somehow were able to get a song written, recorded, and have a video filmed and have it play on MTV. Well, they thought that I just made something up and like stuck a tape in the VCR and was lying about it, saying... Oh, this is MTV. I'm like, how can I possibly do this? This video had a budget and like it's filmed on a set. I'm not in it. There, how could I have had anything to do with this? So, yeah. But I'm sure to this day they they still have me singing "Let's Meet and Have a Baby" rolling around. And it probably in their brains. Feel sick. <laughs> Thank you. Gives them dry heaves. But, um, and then I remember when we went to, uh, my mom and my sister and I went to Texas um, for a vacation, and I got the 45 of Legal Tender when I was there. And I guess I didn't really have any awareness of B-52s, except I do remember seeing them like in the early 80s on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, I can't even remember what the song was, but it wasn't something that clicked with me. But of course, it was pretty advanced new wave kind of music for a it was a high concept it was very high concept and i just remember well they were kind of funny but i didn't really think about it but then when um their next album came out um bouncing off the satellites and girl from impanema and summer of love i was aware of those songs and i think they were also featured prominently in star hits yeah. so i had much more of an awareness of who they were and then meeting you around that time i um, that was like my favorite album when yeah it came out. and then, then i kind of saw more of their back stuff and had an appreciation and really love all, all their stuff right. from that point. Star Hits was a magazine from the 80s. It was the best magazine ever printed, even to this day. Better than Rolling Stone. I still have every issue. And it was basically a, a new wave magazine for for teenagers. And um, Scott and I used to, both of us, we, we had a subscription to, to it, but we also had to get a second... Issue so we could like cut it up and we put, did scrapbooking with pictures and things like that in yeah, it. Yeah, like Scott had his Prince scrapbooks and I had my like Duran Duran scrapbooks, but they'd also have like pull out posters you could put on the walls. And we found out that the Target store that was closest to our house would get the new issue of Star Hits like a week before we would get it in the mail. Which makes no sense with a subscription base, but anyway. We knew the day of the month that they were going to have it, so we would go there after school and 
um, Scott was very competitive, very competitive. And he had to be, he wanted to see the star hits before I could see it. So he would walk really fast through the store. And one day I just had enough of that business and I grabbed his arm Remember? You grabbed me, you got caught my coat, and you ripped the shoulder that of my was, coat. That was a cheap coat from a garage sale. Anyway, my I had no coat after that. <laughs> that is not true. I think I was in such I, a I gave you a good reason to get a new coat. Well, you could have given me $50 for a new coat, too. That coat was probably four ninety nine. Well, It was navy blue, had no style. I, I remember just a tiny bit of the white stuffing from the coat was coming out of the top seam of the shoulder. The, it could have easily happened some other way. The genesis of the coat is neither here nor there, but I think I was ultimately worried that for some reason they might only have one copy of the magazine. Or, they, they always had like 10. Yes, but remember with the magazines when they would stock them, sometimes they'd be mishandled and we had to get pristine ones, so we would take yes. the whole stack out and we would we would go through them all. Go through them to get the most immaculate ones. And then I remember being all paranoid when we check out because this was before self-checkouts and we'd be afraid that the person checking us out would mishandle it and just throw it into a ma- into a bag and get it all messed up or right. fingerprinted. So we were I mean, we practically held it by the corner. Of, of the magazine. We should have just... And we would tell them, please be... Please take care when scanning our magazine. We should have just gone in there with white gloves and then had a plastic collector's bag to drop it into so we could have them scan it through the plastic bag. I still have all those magazines. I have one copy. Like, we ripped up it or cut up, you know, one issue. And then the other issue, I would... I kept, and I have them in a plastic tote in my office closet they're still in pretty pristine condition is it climate controlled for moisture well it's in my house so yes well i'm just making sure i have air conditioning and heat in my home well that always live in a cave that always helps so bouncing off the satellites a lot of people thought was going to be their last album because ricky wilson died um there's conflicting Reports when you look it up on Wiki, there's there's a entry for the B-52s and there's a separate entry for this album. One says that he died during the making of the album. The other one says that he died after the making of the album. And I'm sure lots of people know what the real story is, but um, consequently, the B-52s were devastated because Ricky was. Um, Probably one of the you know the main. He was the factors. main musical force behind yeah. the group for sure. And um, they were devastated, and they just didn't think that they could go on. So they didn't do much promotion for a no, to, no touring or anything like that. No I think touring. They only made the one video. They made one video for the second single, "Girl from Ipanema Goes to Greenland," which is a wonderful video. I love, I love it when Kate 
takes a bite of that toast in the video. And toast. And it's just a, a fun, fun video. The album is very kind of slickly produced, too. It was kind of a new sound for them. I mean, it was still them, but there were a lot more synthesizers, and it was very glossy and very, um, very kind of not as... Raw sounding. Raw sound, yeah, as their first albums. And it's, to this day, um, even though it was kind of a bomb of an album, it's one of their favorite albums, and it's one, they're one of their fans' favorite albums, too. Includes one of the most classic B fifty two songs ever, "Wig." So, which I don't know if that would have been a single here in America. That probably would have been a hit. I think it might have been too um, ahead of its time. Like if they would have made a video for it, it would have caught on. Yeah, it, it was a single um, in the UK, but um, they didn't release it here. But B-52s kind of took a big break from everything. four years or something, three years. before they did anything else. And they came back with Cosmic Thing, which, of course, is their album that introduced them to the mainstream in America. And um, Love Shack was on that. Love Shack Channel. I remember Channel Z was the first Channel Z was, yeah, they played that a lot on 120 Minutes on MTV. B-52s had always kind of had an interest in ecology and, you know, being responsible consumers and nature and all that. And that's what that song is. Yeah, they were touting recycling even before Beverly Sutphin was considering killing people for it. (laughs) Right. So, um, but um, Channel Z got played on MTV. It wasn't like a big, big hit. But then... They released Love Shack. And I remember the first time I heard Love Shack, I was like, oh, that's going to be a big hit. Yeah. I remember the, like, the year before, they had the song Cosmic Thing from Earth Girls, Girls, Are, Girls Easy. Are Easy. Yeah. And I was tickled by that. I thought that was great. And that was nice that after not hearing from them for so long, we knew that there was something coming from them, that at right. least they had something new out. Yeah. And then, of course, there was Rome, which was just as big of a hit as Love Shack. Rome!
then Deadbeat Club. And Deadbeat Club is really, that's one of my favorite songs on that whole yeah, album. And it's different sound, for a little bit more laid back and not so party-ish. It's just a little bit more of just a mellow song. I'm trying to think. I think people always assume, you know, oh, they're just this crazy party band, but they are very kind of. There's B52s at different speeds, you know, it's just not everything is an up hilarious, you know, on the borderline on borderline of like parody, you know, kind of a song, which some of their stuff they are like of, some of them are a little almost borderline novelty songs. Right. Not yeah, that's what I meant, not parody. But um yeah, I mean it's not like they're like on the same level as Weird Eye Yankovic or something like that at all. I don't mean that at all, but you know, just because of their image and everything. But I think with the Cosmic Thing, they sort of toned the wigs down a little bit and were, I don't know, they were kind of fitting into their era. Yeah, more, I would agree. So. And they also worked with really good producers on that. They had um, Was Not Was producer. Don guy, Was. Don Was. And, and, well, and Nile Rodgers, of course, who we mentioned several times on this podcast. Right. So... That was a wonderful album, and then we saw them on tour. In support of that album, yeah. when did we see that? Like 1990? I don't know the date. Well, I'm not asking for the exact calendar day, but it was around that. It time. was summer. Well. And I still have my um, button of their logo that I bought. And I also got a t-shirt that had like an orange swirl mm-hmm. on it. I wore that all the time. I think it finally fell I think apart. I got that t-shirt too. It was like almost, it was so big it was like a night shirt almost. I wore it to bed a lot, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember just people were dancing in the aisles and stuff during that show. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. for that tour, Cindy Wilson uh, started a break from the group. So much to my happy happiness <sighs> and pleasure. Just get it. I'm going to beat you to the punch. Here's your Twin Peaks reference. Julie Cruz, who is a singer on Twin Peaks. And not a very good one, I might add. Took the place of Cindy during those concert dates, which was fantastic. So I was and remember what separation remember away. what I did when I found out, when they announced You threw that something at the TV. I threw a shoe at, at Kurt Loder on the, it was like MTV News. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, is not a fan of Julie Cruz's breathy... I just didn't, I didn't see how it was going to work. She can sing in all kinds of different ways. Right, yeah, and she really did a great job. She did. I will give her that. She she, she met that. The, she filled the sound. Yeah, met the demands, and she, she didn't have that <sighs> kind of thing that she does on her own. Wonderful work that she does. Wonderful. Recordings, was I Wonderful. was going to say. Wonderful I'll have to play a clip. I think I just sang it exactly the way. So anyway, that was a highlight for me. I love the B-52s, but I love seeing Julie Cruz with them. Although I obviously would have rather seen Cindy see the the Well, yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) But Julie was great. Who opened for them? I don't remember. Yes, you do. We just talked about this the other day. Ziggy Marley, and it was awful. Oh. Remember, everybody was just like... 
Um, why are reggae people here? Well, if we would have been taking dope, maybe we would have liked it more. Yeah, that wasn't really their crowd. It, it just didn't really... Were they on the same record label? No. Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers were on Virgin Records. Well, no, the B-52s recorded a lot with the producer... Um, Chris Blackwell, who has the studios down in the Bahamas, he's worked with Grace Jones and Duran Duran. That has nothing to do with and Ziggy. also Bob Marley. That has nothing to do with Ziggy Marley. It's a family connection. I think you're reaching, and I think it's a little racist. <laughs> I don't think so. I think their producer worked with Ziggy Marley's father. What is this? Is this like? The eight degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, you're reaching... You mean six. Whatever. Five, four, three, two, one. How many degrees away from a band member of B-52s are you? Well, one. Because? When I was in New York City, Fred Schneider ran right right next to me on, on the street. Didn't you go into shock virtually? I did. I was with uh, Lewis and... Um, our friend Jack and his boyfriend, we had just been to dinner, and um, Fred Schneider, and everyone knows what a big B-52s fan I am, Fred Schneider walked right past us very quickly, and I remember Jack kind of grabbed my arm and said, Kevin, uh, there's Fred Schneider. And I was just like, what? And I, of course, I just, I turned turned around and started walking in his direction. Fred was walking very quickly, and... Um, and then I just sort of stopped myself because it looked like he was on his way to some kind of a party or something. He was kind of dressed up nicely, and he's a very stylish fella. And um, anyway, I was just like, you know what? He's not a, being a B-52 right now. He's just being Fred. Fred, and I'm just not going to bother him. I don't want to be a, a jerk. I mean, I would have loved to have been able to talk to him and get an autograph or something, but... You know, it's just like these people who are famous, they they deserve time off, you know. And I just, I've, it, it just seemed like he was in a different place and was just on the move and... He was on the fast fast track. Yeah, so I, I didn't. But yeah, I was inches away from him. This is completely unrelated, but let's talk about the fast track. <laughs> Years ago, we were at Burger King. This has King. nothing to do with anything, but it is. We were at Burger story. King with our friend Vicky, and we were waiting to order, and there was this woman that looked like she was kind of maybe like a businesswoman. Very wealthy. And she, you think she, she was a, work, a working lady, or she just had lots of money and didn't get out to fast food restaurants much? Yeah, That's she looked like case. she was, because she was older. She's probably about 55 or 60. Looked like some, somebody had always been around to get things for her and she maybe she just woke up one day and said I want a whopper I'm going to start doing things for myself yeah and so she went into Burger King and she literally had no idea how things she didn't know the process she didn't know that you look at the menu board and you figure out what you want and then you tell them what you want and then you pay for it so she seemed to be in a little bit of a hurry, too, because she was like, let's get this going. I'm on the fast track. I'm on the fast track. Yeah. So at the time, Burger King Burger King offered a sandwich without 
the bun. They just they put like a whopper inside lettuce, and you, you were supposed to use the lettuce as a bun. As if. So they asked her, "Do you want it on a bun, or do you want it on a lettuce?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, I want that." So they gave her the sandwich in the lettuce, and then when she got to her table, I'm on the fast track. She figured it out that there was no bun, and she was she takes it back up there, not knowing what to do. Or who to talk to. Or who she to talk was to. just pu- very puzzled looking. Because yeah. we were, had ordered by that point. And I'm we on were the fast them, track. And we kind of witnessed this whole thing. And she so she asked for her. She's, well, yeah, I, uh, there's no bun with this. And the girl was like, I asked you if you wanted a bun or a lettuce, and you said lettuce. She probably thought she was going to get lettuce within the bun with the burger. I just, I don't think the woman had ever eaten fast food in her life. Probably not. It was so, and like, she obviously was somebody who was driven around like she didn't even probably know how to drive a car or I got the executive shoot or the idea that she was like an executive a business lady or something and always had catered stuff to done for her and she you know because we like to, a fast track we like to create stories for people that we've never met right. and we see them out in public and we think of a backstory and what their name would be it's a good way to pass time you should try it you know everyone out there listening yeah. Oh yeah, I make up stories for everyone that I see. Especially like when you're waiting in a like a for an appointment in an office or something like that and there's people around and you kind of create histories and names for all of them. Or I just I'm nosy and I find out what their name really is. Like, or you take pictures serendipitously of them and then post it on social media. I do that, yes. I have done that. There was that lady from uh back around Christmas time who um, she looked like she was like Cindy Wilson's mother. She had, I mean, she had this big wig on. I was, I had taken my mom to the doctor's office and um, this woman comes in. It's like 1230, maybe like a week or two before Christmas, 1230 in the afternoon. She has a fur coat on and this very elaborate outfit. And she's got this giant hair and, I mean, everybody in the waiting room just started looking at her. And um, I found out that her name was Dinah. And um, because I heard her, like, check in. And, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I had my phone out so fast. And I was, like, snapping pictures. And then my mom was already in in the office with the doctor. And um, they called Dinah back. So she had gone through the door. And about a minute later... My mom came out and she knew what I was going to be doing because I I had this giant smile on my phone and I was like going through the pictures and posting and cropping. You can see the picture. It's it's on my Instagram. Um, I'm Kevin is a place on earth on Instagram. If you want to go through my pictures and look, I mean, she was something to see. And so I made up this whole kind of story about her. Which part of it came came out to be true because I overheard her saying that she was um, not going to have time to get ready for a Christmas party that she had that night. So, anyway. Well. That's the Dinah story. Here's to Dinah. She's very B-52s-esque. We love Dinah. So every time I've been back to the doctor's office since with my mom, I'm always hoping to run into Dinah, but I have not. Well, hopefully you'll come across another colorful character and we'll get to hear about them in the very near or future. you'll get to see her picture on my face or preferably or, both or maybe you can take a selfie with this person instead of stalking them and taking pictures of them from across the room uh, i don't really want a picture of me with them <laughs> i would love that so 
But anyway, so that brings us to... Oh, they were in the Flintstones, the B-52s, remember? The BC-52s. Yeah, BC-52s. They did the theme song. And they were in it? Yeah. That was fun. That was a good fit for them as far as their... That was totally embracing their campy quality. Yeah. Plus, Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks was in that movie also. I would like it if you could be less of a dip. Do you think you could look into that? I don't know about that. So they came back with the album Good Stuff, which was just Kate, Fred, and Keith. Right. Cindy had taken a leave of absence. And um, I like the album. It's very heavy on kind of political views and and, um, very, very ecologically minded. It's not my... One of my favorites by well, them. You, I like the song "Good Stuff." Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. But it's not an album I go back to a lot. It's really missing the harmonies. Yes. Between Kate and Cindy, and that's such a distinctive part of their sound. I mean, it's it's still a good, fun album, but yeah, it's it's not. It's just not one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, speaking of fun, let's go to their um, most recent album to date, which was Funplex, which came out in two thousand eight. Oh, It's a wonderful it. album, and it was, it was a big hit. Um, I think it it debuted debuted near the top ten on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, but um, after that tour and everything, Keith decided that he was no longer going to tour with them, and um, he's still a member of the B52s. Like if they were if they ever record another album, he's he'll do it. But he's just not touring and. Kate and Cindy. Cindy came. We should. Yeah, Cindy came Cindy back came for back. Funplex. So it was the four of them for Funplex. But um, Kate and Cindy and Fred have continued to tour. Um, just they're not promoting like a new album or anything, but um, they they still perform. Kate Pearson finally released a solo album last year that's really good. And we didn't talk about Fred's solo album that has the great song Monster. Well, he has he has Two, a couple yeah. solo albums. Yeah. He, back in the 80s, he released an album. Um, it was called Fred Schneider and the Shake Society, which has a song called Monster. There's a monster in my pants. And it's very B-52s-ish. And I had it on, or I still have the cassette of it, But then after Cosmic Thing was such a giant smash, they re-released the album just as Fred Schneider with different packaging and a different album cover. Mm -hmm. It's the same content. But that's the version that's on CD now. And then uh, later in the 90s, he he recorded an album. um, I believe it was with Nirvana's 
producer maybe that Steve Steve Al, Al, Albini and it's kind of like a very hard kind of punky kind of album which I mean, I, I have that on of CD course too. you do but it's not one that I listen to a lot it's called Just Fred yeah yeah, I remember when that came out, but I don't know that I listened to it a lot. And Cindy has an album coming out. They've, um, she's put out like a snippet of one of the songs. It's a very different kind of um, sound for her. It's very kind of, I don't know, a little techno electronicy sounding, and her voice sounds very, very different. So I'm, I'll be very curious to hear the whole album because I like what I've heard mm-hmm. from it so far. I am assuming it comes out sometime later this year. Well, my cat Jack is on my lap now, and B-52s, he told me, is one of his favorite groups, and it makes him he loves so happy that he likes to purr, so he that's what it. he has to say about the B-52s. He's precious and few. So I guess that does it for B-52. Suffice it to say, you need to check out playlists by them and listen to them. If you don't listen to them regularly, they're a lot of fun. They are. So I guess it's time to move into our next segment, which is our I'm So Sure of the Week. I'm so sure. This week, the I'm So Sure of the Week recipient is... Russell Crowe. Yes. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Nothing more needs to be said. And moving on, now we are going to go to our incredibly insightful... Incredibly. ...advice column, Dear Kevin and Scott. This week, our listener writes... Dear Kevin and Scott, I want to get my belly button pierced this year for my 15th birthday, but my parents said no. It's just getting my belly button pierced. They let me dye my hair and get my cartilage pierced, so why not my belly button? It's not going to affect my parents whatsoever. It's my body. I think they should let me do reasonable things to it, like get my belly button pierced. I just don't get it. Unpierced. Slut. (laughs) Yeah, you don't need to get your belly button pierced. That's pretty tacky. Why don't you just wait till you're like maybe a hundred, and then if you're still alive, do it to celebrate being a hundred. I mean, that's just that stupid. This, yeah, that is. That's a real '90s thing too. Come on, just move. It is, and I've heard like horror stories of people that have belly buttons pierced and then have that um, have a piercing in their nose or a piercing in their. Um, eyebrow that get like snagged on a sweater. Oh. Yeah, and you're wearing, you know, yeah. your shirt and pants, little shirt and pants, and you could get the waistband or something caught in your belly. Well, buttering. the thing is, is if you're getting your belly button pierced, you're going to want to show it off. Because otherwise, what's the point of getting your belly button pierced? So they're probably thinking that You'll this like is. to show them off. This is, they're probably thinking that it's going to promote you wearing some. Ill-advised crop top or, 
you know, a halter top or something. You're 15. You don't need to be showing that much skin. And let's face it, you know, you want to do that and you're 15. What's next? When you're 16 or 17, you're going to want to go ahead and get something down lower pierced. You're going to want to get a tattoo. You're probably going to get want to get some clitoral jewelry or something like that. Don't. And that's just wrong. It is. Not only is it wrong, it's wrong that you even brought it up. But here's the thing. We're going to be a world full of elderly people that have tattoos, and yes, I am pronouncing it that way, tattoos and piercings, and I mean, you can let a piercing go back, but what about, you know, the piercings that people have in their ears that stretch, stretch the... The giant earlobe things, are, that's horrifying. Well, th- you're going to have that when you're old? It's going to be really saggy. They're going to... Tattoos change as your skin gets older and changes and such. And it's not going to look the same when your skin starts sagging. I mean, the same can be said for, like, a belly button piercing. Just, you know, it's a fad. And hopefully this is a fad. I mean, I think tattoos are really sexy, on some people and piercings can be too depending on where it is and whatever but the fact of the matter is you're 15 and you need to do what your parents say and um i think they're just they have your best interests you know in mind when they're telling you no yes listen to your parents and respect their opinion and respect their authority over you until you're at least 18 to get out of their house, then do whatever you want. Yeah, when you're 18, you can do whatever you want to do. If you still want to get pierced up, do it then. And then move to some side alley or some shanty town and see how that works out for you. In there Hortonville. are people that live in nice homes, in nice areas with piercings and such. And they have to reach down their pants to pull something out when they go through a, a airport security. That's just Well, really that's nice. another thing. Yeah, it does present a, a, some issues when you go through airport security. But maybe she's not planning on traveling anywhere. Hopefully not. I wouldn't leave my house if I was pierced up like that. I'd be horrified. <laughs> but she wouldn't be horrified because it's her choice. It's just a belly button piercing. You're the one that brought up all this other piercing. Gift card for counseling. It's like a belly button piercing is like the gateway to other piercings, perhaps? Yes. Okay. We're just going to say listen to your parents. Listen and learn. Listen and learn. All right. I think we're done, aren't we? We are done. On that note... Well, one thing I want to say is I'm going to be a special guest on an upcoming episode of the Twin Peaks Peaks podcast. The what? Twin Peaks Peaks and the last piece. What is that supposed to mean? P-E-E-K-S. It's like peeking into the world of Twin Peaks. I would have got it if I'd seen it in print. Right. So I'm going to be, for the third time, a special guest of that podcast's Hosts uh, Matt and Ashley are going to have me on, and we're going to be recording no, that this be weekend. And we're going to be discussing Twin the Peaks final episode of its original run of Twin Peaks because you know Twin Peaks is going to come back on TV next year. Did you know about that? How could I not know? Okay, I'm just making like, sure you knew that you were. You're aware. present in my life every day, and I hear it. I've heard about it hundreds of times. Have you thought about setting some time aside to catch up on the show and watch it all again? I've thought about 
setting some time aside to figure out how I can get out of it and well, not have to be exposed to it. That's what I've done. I really don't think that's an option. <laughs> I'm going to make it an option. So anyway, when that episode so goes live, bag over your head when that episode you. of the Twin Peaks uh, podcast goes live, I will tweet about that. So if you guys are interested, it's uh, going to be a fun time. So where yeah. can people find us on the other social medias, Kevin? Facebook.com slash 80s Gradies. Oh, no, that's my 80s page. Well, you can plug that. That's fine. Yeah, that's my 80s page. But our uh, Facebook page, Facebook.com slash I'm So Sure Podcast. You can find me on Instagram, like I mentioned earlier. Kevin is a place on earth. It's a clever name, isn't it? <laughs> You're real proud. And um, I run our Hashtag Twitter Hashtag I'm So Sure Podcast. Yeah. And then uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Twitter.com slash I'm So Sure Podcast. So go until, to Facebook, check us out, check us out everywhere. We are present everywhere on social media. Everywhere. You can find extra content that goes along with the podcast. Bonus content even. On Facebook. So I give little hints before we record the podcast about what our next podcast is. Like going little to be. clues, little Easter eggs. Yeah. So for extra content, visit our Facebook page. And on that note, we will see you next time on Kids Beat. I'm Audra Lee. No, you're not. I'm Scott Benson. I'm so sure. I'm Kevin Kelly. See you later. Bye. I'm so sure.